Well, before we get started, I've just got to give a shout out to the upcoming 8th Celebration of the Bible. This is um, really a, a wonderful thing, as you can tell, since it's the 8th. It's been going on eight years, but it, it really started when a, 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 a fella in Oklahoma City from one of the large Bible organizations uh, really urged us to do something that no one else was doing, and that was put on a celebration of the Bible. And so thanks to, oh gosh, Robin Jones, and particularly Jamie Smith, who has really uh, walked this out, uh, it's going to be just a, <clears throat> a tremendous evening of what we, worship and artistic expression. So this year, you'll, not only will Jamie be there, but Kyle Dillingham, Charlie Hall, uh, David Bowden, Gabby San Pedro, the Oklahoma Baptist Children's Choir, just to name a few. There are other folks, but it's but it, what's so fun is it it is just such a you just have these different whether they're artists and they're painting stuff while worship's going on or something. But it's a it's a wonderful deal. It's going to be Friday, November twelve, from seven to eight thirty at Frontline Church downtown, which is at. 10th and North Robinson. And so I just would encourage you. I mean, Lori and I are going to come to that. A lot of people will be at that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope you can make it. Welcome to Hope Leads. This is Wes Lane. You know, science tells us that hope is the single greatest determiner of human well-being. One way we pursue kindling and fanning hope within you, the listeners, by talking with men and women who are leaders from different generations, from different geographic areas, from different spheres of influence, but they all have one thing in common. They pursue Jesus and God's unique and purposeful journey for them on the earth. So, my hope is that these focused conversations might somehow serve you in a greater understanding of just who our awesome God is and His very purposeful desire and plan that you would live a life of meaning and impact. Well, just a few months back, we were bemoaning internally the loss of our beloved Taylor West, who had a fabulous opportunity to go to work for a, a remarkable real estate developer here in Oklahoma City named Andy Burnett. Any organization loves those moments in which they can capture out of the marketplace someone who really brings a special something to the workplace. So so way to go, Andy. Uh, darn you. But anyway, not, not <laughs> when, when I first met Jansen Miller a year and a half ago, she was in a SALT Emerging Leaders cohort. And as of a few months ago, she became our Director of Strategic Communication and Marketing, which is a, a different role than what Taylor had with us. But, but we have been celebrating the arrival of Jansen ever since then. We feel like we have yet again captured uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the proverbial you know, white unicorn, if you will, you know, that hard to find somebody. Of course, now I'm building her up so big, you know, she better, better produce. So <laughs> that'd be terrible. Oh I'm, trying, oh, I'm really raising expectations. Now you're doomed, Jansen. But anyway, welcome, Jansen Miller. Great to have you. Uh, thank you for for your willingness uh, to to sit across the, the table from me. It's good to be here. And I hope to meet expectations today. Oh, you're gonna you're, you're gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be delightful. I, I find myself uh honestly, you 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 remind me of just there there were so when I left the district attorney's office, there were uh 
there were several, no, no, actually, actually, yeah, there was one thing that, there's only one thing that my wife regretted. And that was that there was a group of really sharp female prosecutors that we just had a great relationship with, and we would just go back and forth, and they would just beat me down. And so I would come home just a little bit tired. <laughs> so, so Lori, so and Lori, so who's an introvert, and of course I'm not. And so that was actually to her advantage. And so she always regretted that that these uh, these um, rapier wit uh, uh, ladies at the office had not uh, uh, abused me uh, anymore. I, and, and so I'd come home and I'd, you know, poor thing, you know, so I, I, anyway, so maybe that's why we have four dogs, I think now. So that helps me. And that's why you work really well with strong women. I do. I, just, I do. I have, I, I, do, I, I love you. that. I have, I have a blast. I, 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 I anyway, so there's this, that's just been, hey, I've been raised around, I mean, you know, you, my goodness, I'm lucky to still be alive, <laughs> you, know, you know, I suppose, if you, but let's not digress too deeply there. So, okay, Jansen, I have been looking forward to having this conversation because, um, you know, one of the subjects that, that I'm, I'm giving away on my age here a little bit is I've heard a lot about the, the word authentic or the authenticity, and I've heard that from millennials a lot, like people are on staff. I remember that um, in conversation, in fact, I first started really paying attention to it when, when David Skidmore would be talking to us. Of, he would say, well, we want to really make sure that, you know, this or that is, is authentic and, and that. And I, and I remember, I didn't say anything at the time, but, I'm think, I, but in my head, literally, I'm going, would we like purposefully do something like not? I mean, I, I couldn't fathom that. But so I know that that was a term of of art, but I've heard it so much, and I actually started then looking it up. And I know you you talk about this, and so so I thought it would be helpful to let's drill down on that a little bit. I'd really love to to uh, to understand that better and uh, and really see what's going on in that. That that would be such a subject matter. But before I launch into that. Maybe we ought to let's let's talk about you and the bat your background just a little bit, and so because I know we can go into that and people go, well, who is this? Who is this person? So maybe we ought to deal with the who, but that's what we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Okay, okay, I'm prepared. Well, I am a marketing professional by trade. That's what I went to college for. I knew whenever I was a 16 year old that this is what I was interested in and that I would be passionate about, and so. I actually and we got, know, and we know what you know that you know what you're talking about anyway, because you're a third generation sooner, that's if right. I recall. That's right. So how could you not? Um, and do, hopefully about to raise a fourth. So that's exactly right. That awesome? You are you are with child. <laughs> that's exactly right. A fourth generation uh, uh, ready. Uh, uh, prospectively, have a done. that's right. You probably already got a res- reservation in you know twenty. We do. We uh, do. You know, and I'm. I think part of that with the marketing piece was I I love storytelling. I love communication. I love storytelling. And I love being able to passionately explain things in a way that comes across that really connects with someone else, whether you're doing that verbally or on paper or through a print campaign, just being able to really touch and impact somebody through messaging. I, I knew that I wanted to be able to do that. 
And so was I there got, something about that that was interesting? You know, so many times, some there's something that I don't know attracts us to a particular. I know, I know, you like storytelling, but is there something? Do you have any a friend or, or some other? Like with me, I I got to hang out during a a trial with with a lawyer, and that was very. I don't know, exciting to be. So was there anything with you? No, but for me, I think it was just evaluating strengths and what I found myself doing without being paid for, obviously I'd be 14, 15 years old, but whenever I became passionate about a product or a service or a brand, I would just want to communicate that to the people around me. I would want to impact them. I would want to sell them on the idea of why this was so important. Seriously. And so I thought to myself, like, what career allows you to shape and influence and impact people through I mean, messaging. You were, you were thinking that at 14 or 15. I mean, I'm a, I was just a slob, a blob. And I'm going, I never, th- I mean, that stuff didn't even cross my screen. And you're actually thinking about how you can, what what career? Weirdly enough. At that enough, age? At yeah. that age? Seriously? So okay. I, I kind of knew. and But I had had a job um, at the in high school uh, at the local bank. And I loved it. I loved getting to interact with people. I loved finance. It's very black and white. There's a lot of just clear answers. And so by the time I graduated college, I had already been with a local bank in Norman for two years at that point and was able to just roll right into becoming their their marketing professional, working with them and working directly with the CEO and help helping to shape their branding and get their message out in the local community and build those relationships. And where is this, by the way? I've, I've, in Norman. In Norman. Okay. Yes. And so I got my career in bank marketing and and quickly figured out that you can't be super creative within a corporate field of that area. And so since then have been able to work with creative agencies. I now own my own um, marketing and consulting and coaching business where I'm able to work with organizations such as SALT and local entrepreneurs who are wanting to get their message out in a clear and impactful way. So that's been the greatest gift, just getting to work with people, brands that I'm passionate about and helping them shape their messaging so that it's clear and informative and creates action. But I also noticed too that you've, you've, uh, you've had some uh, work in working with churches I have. I There's a funny story behind that. I actually left my corporate job thinking that I would start a church consulting company. I did start a church consulting company uh, four months before COVID. So, oh, um, well, that was helpful. All the churches were <laughs> shutting down. Okay. You know, you can't ask churches to pay you money to consult whenever they don't know if their doors are going to stay open. So I learned so much through that, though, and even just the path of entrepreneurship and and learning about how to stay passionate about something that kind of feels stagnant, you know, at the time. And so I'm very grateful for that journey. Um, well, what about, but what was it about the subject matter? I mean, as opposed to, well, you've been in the banking realm before, but there was something about, and I even think that you had an interest in, I'm, and I could be wrong in this, but uh, like the millennial take on on church. It was. I'm I'm passionate about small churches, small to medium sized churches, because the trajectory of where they're going in the future. That if they're not growing young, they're just growing old and they're going to die. And yeah. I hate that. I hate that because so many churches don't realize that by not having a millennial or a Gen Z presence and a way to connect with them on an ongoing basis, they a lot of people just assume this is what we have, take it or leave it. These are the programs we have. We have an, a, a women's group, a men's group, 
children's ministry, find your fit. And a lot of young people are saying, I I want to be a part of something bigger than me. And so churches have this amazing opportunity to connect with young people, but they just don't have anything for them yet. So I was passionate about not only helping them with their marketing and the way that they connect with younger people, but also looking at their programs and also their growth strategy in general of how can they continue to serve and look at their processes. What does your guest experience look like? You know, it, are you, do you have people who are able to connect others? Because if not, people are going to sneak in and sneak right back out. So everything can be looked at a little bit more from a business perspective, We can take the good from business and apply it to church growth strategy and really turn the tides on where the data is showing us that small churches are dying out. You know, I mean, and that's particularly very interesting to me. I remember reading, wow, 25 years ago, just um, a story about, you know, a dying church. Uh, Again, it's, it's the problem of literally dying because the people were, elderly and they and they just didn't have what was the next generation going on there and they um and they and they ultimately transformed because they started serving their community Mm -hmm. and then oh my gosh it just uh, like blew up at that point in time but and this speaks to the conversation today about the importance of authenticity especially for the millennial and gen z generation because if young people they want to be a part of something and especially they need to know they trust you if they know you So if they see you in the community, if they see you interacting with others, if they see a way for them to fit in and be able to create change, that's what they want to be a part of. So a big piece of that, whether you're a church or a nonprofit organization or a business, community community involvement is such a huge deal because if people see you and make that connection and feel like they know you, they're going to trust you and want to do business with you. And so... Is that so? If we get back into that word authentic, then by that definition, the idea is well, you're authentic if you're out doing something in the community and you are inauthentic. No, if not you're necessarily. Not? Um, but that if you are putting your core values to work, okay, you know, if you are truly, if you are true to yourself, and especially as churches community is a core value or should be a core value of church because that's what you're doing. You're or sometimes they see their community as, you know, the people in the four, that are in the four, the four walls. Right. And so I think it just means expanding that core value and saying if community truly does mean what we say it does, which is community outside the walls, we're not just preaching to the choir. We are going to make disciples of Jesus and getting out there. It means being true to that core value and and showing up and putting your money where your mouth is. Well, so Jansen, uh, you know, I think about the the studies that, like the, the the Gen Z, uh, which is notoriously known as the not, not in a bad way, but but in a sad way to the church groups of the nuns. In other words, they're not the not, not the Catholic nuns. I'm talking about. You know, you're checking the religious box on a form, and they check N-O-N-E, none. Um, And that has a lot to do with the fact that they just feel no no sense of being drawn to wanting to be a part of that. And previous generations would check the box, right? But these newer generations are saying, if I don't find purpose, if I don't connect and feel a part of this, I'm not going to check the box. I'm not going to consider myself a Christian if it's just cultural. 
that's what we're seeing. I, I don't think it's, that's not a negative thing. I think we're seeing mm-hmm. genuinely people say, I'm not going to say with my mouth that I am something if I'm not with my heart. And so that is, a, I, I think, a great trend in the way that we're now not just trying to lump people in one category, but that we have a generation who's coming up and saying, I'm not going to, if I'm going to talk the talk, you better believe I'm going to walk the walk. And, and, and honestly, that makes great sense to me because I just look at our emerging leaders groups. I mean, the, we, we have you know, scores of millennials uh, that, that you can tell they're, they're hungry Mm-hmm. For a deeper sense of purpose, focus, touch, um, and something has to be missing. Well, I mean, since, since the people that we find ourselves dealing with are from all over the map of Christendom, if you will, I mean, mm-hmm. denominations all over the all over the place, and so there's a real so there's a, a thread, there's a theme there that obviously is taking place on a national footing. It's not unique here by any stretch, and. Why do you think that is? I think it's for so many prior generations. What you what you saw wasn't necessarily what you what you're going to get, and so it's it wasn't really aligning right with who you're who you are, and then how you actually walk it out. And so, what I'm seeing, and I know just talking to I'm a millennial, but talking to Gen Z, a lot of my friends who are Gen Z. It is this desire to not be lied to, right? Like, I don't want counterfeit. I don't want you to just tell me something just to try to get me to believe it. I want the truth. I'm seeking the truth. I'm not going to take anything with a grain of salt until I can actually dig in and find evidence and, and build it into my own life. And I think it's for so long that whether it's in advertising or whether it's in, you know, just the way that we present ourselves on social media— you want to dig past that original layer and say, give me the vulnerable version. Give me the real version because I don't, I don't want to be sold to. I want the real you. Are you saying this is different than the millennials? So you say it's a deeper It's even dive? deeper with the Gen Z than it is with millennials. I think we saw that trend start with millennials, but Gen Z has taken it to a different level of desiring and almost requiring realness and authenticity and transparency. But how, so how does that jive with, you see the the real angst of people and the comparison, the, the, the comparison world of I'm seeing how these other people are showing up on Instagram or this social media or that, and it's all put on, mm-hmm. or I shouldn't say all, but it's a lot. And I think that's where the stress lies is we're not necessarily, we feel the pressure to measure up while deep down we have that desire for vulnerability, right? That is a core desire of us is to truly connect and to be real and to be vulnerable with one another. That's a desire, but there's the pressure to perform and the pressure to measure up to either cultural expectation, parental expectation, or just what other people are doing and how you view someone to be successful and you feel like you have to match that in a certain way. So there's this, there's this rub. And that's why I'm so passionate about, especially with young women, really leaning into not measuring yourself compared to who 
is in your community or the people that you find affluent or the people that you look up to, but, but really looking at who did God create me to be? And the only version that you are truly competing or comparing with is yourself. Because when you're on that trajectory to where you understand this is, this is my unique giftings. This is who God created me to be. This is my personality. These are the goals and dreams that he gave me. I'm going to be able to run that race and stay in that lane and not necessarily look to the right or the left. And, and insecurity has no place there because I insecurity can't live whenever I'm focused on my worth and who I am in, in Christ. See, and, and which is which is really good, but I I, I tell you, uh, it, it it there's this interesting gravitational pull of what I call herd culture, uh, and it's that it's the as it was explained to me once, and 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 now I I I I, I understand it better. It's it's the it's the desire to be different and unique but being afraid of stepping away from the herd. Mm. And so, and which being specifically, uh, and I'm not saying that doesn't, I, I think, I think, I mean, humans are always the same. I mean, so this is, this is not like unique to Gen Z or millennials. This is, this is the human condition. You know, we don't want to be, we, we're, we're the, the fear of stepping away from herd think and being unique, you want you're wanting to be unique at the same time. You can't leave the herd, right. and so the herd defines what unique is. And as long as you're unique within the construct of the herd, you're okay. If you step outside of that, then then you are into um, the prospective abyss of of being thought. Not like, and, and, and Christianity oftentimes leads you to the abyss. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a call for leaders right now. This is a call for leaders is to say, I'm going to be so focused on God's call for my life and his, the way that he is speaking to me and, and the way that I interpret God's voice. I'm going to let that be my driver because fear, right? Like there's no place for fear and love. If we are focused on that love of God, there is, we are not going to be so focused on the fear, the fear of cancel culture, the fear of not fitting in, the fear of being different. But when we are uniquely focused on what does God have for me and what is he saying to me and what is the calling and purpose he has on my life, we're not going to be slowed down as much with fear and insecurity. We're still going to feel it. Sure. Like we're human. Sure, we're human. We're going to feel those those pings of insecurity and those moments of what if, you know, what if somebody calls me out? What if I'm considered unqualified? What if somebody says that I'm wrong? You know, you're, we're going to deal with that. But courage is about saying, I get my worth from the Lord. I get my identity from the Lord. And I'm not going to rely on other people to define who I am and what I was put on this earth to do. You know, Jensen, some of what you're talking about really harkens back to, I know, your own story uh, in, in which, I mean, so often isn't that the case. I mean, we, we really uh, find ourselves drawn to want to help others out of our own pain point, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so at least certainly has been my, I certainly, I certainly get that. But, but you have had, uh, gone through a process of, I mean, it's that, that, that process of, sorting through all of this. I mean, you, 
you've talked about going through a period of your life, of life you referred to it as like wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. And so would you sh- share that? I mean, what was this about this that would make all of this so focused for you as a desire to, specifically to help uh, other women? I think specifically there, there were two parts of it. One part was professionally, right? Was I, I have a desire to be seen as, you know, that I have like, that I have it together. I'm an Enneagram three. That is like just innate to that personality type is that I want to be seen as, as having it figured out. Sure. Sure. So for me at an early age, especially professionally trying to fit into the boxes that other people had for me, those expectations, whether it was a boss or a mentor or just the industries that I was in and, and the people in my, um, local community that I was either trying to impress or that I'm working with, I, I wanted to be seen a certain way, which that may get you earthly success, mm-hmm. but it's going to slowly kill you. It's going to just, your your soul's going to die because if you don't know who you are, mm. right, you, you can't make the highest level of impact and influence that the Lord has for you. Um, Stephen Furtick has a great quote that says, God can't use who you pretend to be. <laughs> God can't use who you pretend to be. Correct. Meaning he wants he wants you. He doesn't need you to be someone else or measure up to fit the expectations of someone else. He wants you. And he can use you at that greatest level. But it means knowing yourself. And so professionally going through a, a phase where I just didn't know myself. And that hurt, and I, I felt depleted. And all the while, looking up and realizing, I I did not have community with other women because I wasn't willing to be vulnerable. Mm. I did not have true life-giving community because I was only willing to save face. I was only willing to give enough that that allowed me in, but that never took me deep. Well, that, and that's so classic of all of us. I mean, you th- I think about guys, for example. I mean, you got your golf buddy, you got your this buddy or that buddy, and it's it is a puddle depth, uh, and, and it's just it's because because you're just your your world is surrounding that common subject, but you don't really deal with the, and you never really mean it when you ask. So, how are you really doing? Right. You don't ask that question. And, and you miss out on so much, so much of what relationship really means, which is truth, right? Relationship is based, true relationship is based in honesty. And so if we don't have that level of vulnerability and community and that realness, we're missing out on the incredible gift that we have to really do life with one another. So, so what was the turning point for you? The aha, oh my golly, I'm... Um, Wearing a mask. I It was moving to California and having no friends. Moving to California. Well, those California people are just not very friendly. No, they're amazing. Um, <laughs> but picking up and moving from my comfort zone mm-hmm. to an area where I knew no one. You know, my only person that I knew was my husband who was working 15, 16 hours a day in Silicon Valley. And my best friend was the grocery store checker, you mm. know, that I would go see on a daily basis so that I could at least talk to someone. Oh, man. But it wasn't until that time that I realized I'm missing out on people really knowing me. And and even the friendships that I have, I feel I could be so much deeper. 
now that we're long distance, right? Like I, I felt like I can't just meet up for you for coffee and just, you know, shoot the conversation for 30 minutes. I desired community. And the reason why I didn't have it, and the reason why I had always used the excuse as a female of, oh, I only have guy friends, right? I'm just, it's so much easier to have guy friends. That was such a front because I was unwilling to actually be vulnerable with the women around me and to go first. Oh, that's interesting. So you're saying it's easier to have guy friends than girl friends? Well, it's an easier front to put on, especially when you're a strong... Are we that simple? (laughs) Well, don't make me go there, Wes. But especially when you're a strong female. Oh, 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 don't make me go there. Oh, I'm I'm, in the back of my mind. Do I plumb these depths or do I back away? Don't do it, Wes. Don't do it. I'm just kidding. But it it was easier for me as a strong, um, most of the time, assertive female to say, you know what? I'm it's easier for me to have male friends because I can just be blunt or I, but it's really because I didn't have to go deep in relationship. I didn't have to have those vulnerable conversations and I didn't have to go first. You know, I didn't have to say, Hey, here's, here's really what's going on with me. Okay. Sure. Sure. And so that's when I realized like, and this was all coming to a head at, at one time, like I said, professionally, relationally was all coming to head at one time. And I was in a place where I genuinely started hearing the Lord's voice clearly for the first time because I had no distractions. Hmm. I was working virtual, working seven to three every day, trying to keep central time hours while I was on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So when I'm when you're by yourself from three to eight every single day, and all you can do is sit and hear what the Lord is telling you, he just downloaded all of these lessons day after day saying, I want you to realize that we haven't even scratched the surface Mm. because you're pretending to be somebody, but I have something else for you. I have created you in a certain way. I created you with a unique personality and with gifts and with dreams. And you have been so gung ho on measuring up to what other people expect you to do or to saving face that you've missed out on the beauty and the glory of what I really have for what you. What is peeling your onion? Oh, I mean, just chopped it up, just diced it. <laughs> but I'm so grateful for that time because it truly did awaken this part of my soul and unique dreams that I had that I hadn't even really ventured into because I thought, what will people think? Well, so how did you... So, okay, so now you're getting this aha um, and... So what did you do to execute on the good advice from the Lord? I started diving really deep into who did he create me to be. I started diving into what are my strengths? What is my unique personality? What are my giftings? What are those dreams that I have in my heart? What are the things I would do if I couldn't fail? Mm. If I didn't care what people thought of me? What are those things? Because... When those I, are great questions. They're all those great questions. So many people don't do that. And self-awareness is that first step in taking action, right? You have to know thyself yeah. <laughs> in order to really step yeah. into that those things that you want for your life. And so at first I determined, who am I? And then what do I want? What do I feel called to do? And what are the small actionable steps I need to take to start pursuing them? Because so often we get overwhelmed 
by goals or dreams because they're so big. But really, all God is calling us to do is obedient with the small things that He's placed in front of us. And little by little, that progress will add up. Because it started with me, I knew that I wanted to write. I knew that I wanted to write and speak to women. But I thought, I'm not going to write a book today, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's not going to happen. But I can start by at least writing the lessons that the Lord has given me right Mm now. Mm -hmm. So I started documenting that. I started transcribing those things. Then I interacted with a friend who had a Christian-based business. There in California or here? In Texas, actually. We just connected virtually. Mm -hmm. And I reached out and said, this is what the Lord has placed on my heart. And if you need devotional content, if you need blog content for your target audience, which is women— I would love to write it for you, and I'm going to do it for free. I just want it. I want to put it into practice, right? Sure, sure. And so it started with that step. And from there, I wrote a devotional a year and a half later. And from there, was able to speak more. And from there, have have been able to do more things. But it all started with those little steps in what is the big dream? And how can I reverse engineer that a little bit and just take that first next step? See, you're, you're, you're really touching on something that, and so when we th- think about the subject hope leads and what is hope, and as, as uh, anybody's listened to this uh, podcast before, you know, we, we talk about the science of hope and what you just said, you started with the little things and what, what, what you did for just to, you know, Pete and repeat, as they say on, on, uh, so what's hope, how is hope generated? And what you talked about is you set a, you set even the small step goals, you identified a pathway to get to the goal, and then you executed on it. You did it. And every time you did that, I'll strongly suspect that a bit of hope was generated, mm-hmm. which encouraged you to take the next step and the next step and the next step. And I think that speaks to um, especially people who struggle with imposter syndrome, right? You think people won't respect my journey. They won't respect that I'm growing or that they'll think I'm unqualified, or I'm not really to that level that I want to be. And define imposter syndrome. So you, meaning you, that you're you feel fraudulent. You feel like a fraud. You feel like a fraud. Like people are going to find you out. And anytime you're starting something new, you're going to have those feelings because it's new. But the only way to get out of that is to be consistent, because confidence doesn't come from it, from feeling qualified. Confidence comes from consistency. Because the more I wrote, the more I started finding myself, I'm a writer. It's it's like running. Somebody who's training for a marathon. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you can't even walk a half a mile one day. But in order to call yourself a runner, you have to start somewhere. And the more that you are pursuing it, the more you're consistent, you look up someday and you realize, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm not having to be worried about what people are going to think because I've put it into practice. Did you have anybody else that was like walking with you on this? Because because some of the stuff you're talking about, you know, a lot of people have great ideas, and the challenge is, is executing mm-hmm. on the great idea. So I got these small goals. And, and, and I mean, how did you keep pecking away at that? I, I invested a lot in education, in self-education, in personal growth, Um, that is why I am a coach for Christian women now is because Mm -hmm. what I would have valued the most at that time would have been a coach. 
I would have valued somebody come alongside of me. And on the days that I thought I'm not doing this right, or am I really pursuing this to having somebody have an Eagle lens whenever I was so far in the weeds, that would have been so beneficial. And so like you talked about, we always want to help people in the way that we have, have really walked it. That is why I do what I do now. Well, I mean, Jensen, I mean, that's pretty impressive. I mean, if you think about it, you're on your lonesome. Uh, you, you're reaching out. You're really, you're really forced to dig in and, uh, and self-initiate there as opposed to um, having the ability of, okay, uh, Joe or Susie are going to be asking me tomorrow at 5, uh, what have you done to execute on your plan and that's and that's always good. That's that's helpful. That that that's that's. But did you not have any anyone like that? You know, I I had close friends um, at the time who would who would ask and who would really not hold me accountable per se, but that yeah. I could talk to. Yeah. But ultimately, this is it goes back to and I, Sean, my husband and I were just having this conversation the other day about how hard California was. It was so hard on our marriage. It was so hard on mm. us personally. But I wouldn't change a thing. Mm. Because I look back at that season of loneliness mm-hmm. and that season of doubt, and I think, man, that is where the Lord had to fortify my my confidence and and the vision. And I didn't have anybody, while I didn't have anybody motivating me and saying, you know, get back up, and even on the days where you don't feel like doing it, you're still going to do it. You're going to go right. You're going to go do. You're going to do your courses, you know, you're going to do these things mm-hmm. and start pursuing these goals you mm-hmm. have. While I didn't have that, mm. I at least had him. Yes. God, you're pointing up, you're pointing to the ceiling, yes. And that was the gift of being in California is um, I had three, I walked everywhere. I didn't drive. You know, I had four beautiful parks within a mile radius of my house. I had a mountain range the back of my window that I could drive to and go hike any day. I had so much time to be in nature and to really be with the Lord Mm -hmm. and to listen to podcasts and to Mm -hmm. read books and to have these things that it kind of lit my fire. Sure. And so now that is what drives me for anybody who wants that extra motivation, who wants the discipline. Mm. I I can now teach through what I've learned. Oh, absolutely. And you know, what's, it's really been interesting is, is that you've, you've just been giving uh, a, a life lesson on, 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 on walking in authenticity. I mean, you have, you, and the first thing you, you started recognizing was, I'm not. We have a problem. We have a problem. <laughs> we have, you know, Houston, we have a problem. You know, uh, and, and, and so, um, but then, and then going about a, a, a about the process of discerning. So who am I? Who is Jansen? Mm-hmm. So what did you do with that? I mean, who did you, did you talk to? Uh, I know, I mean, well, well you, you had to ask questions. You were, you were drilling down. And of course that all starts with questions. Yes. Anything you were using in particular that, that was helpful? You know, I, I read a few great books over the, uh, the time, um, there was one book in particular by an author named Laura Casey, and she has a, a great 
goal-setting workbook called Cultivate What Matters. And mm-hmm. she had written a book called Make It Happen. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading that, and it's all from like a Christian lens. And it's not necessarily talking about, you know, manifesting your dreams, but right. but more of really getting clear on like, what are those things I want to do? And what are the things I'm curious about? And, you know, what are the gifts God gave me? I read that book, and I think that was the first tinge of like, oh, wow, there's some stuff hidden down here that I didn't even know Mm. or some goals that I really want to pursue, but that I've been so afraid because with my personality, if I know, if I don't think I'm going to be good at it right away, I don't want to do it. Okay. Wow. So that 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 could really be an obstacle course right there. So that has been helpful for me to know that that's my typical personality because now I know that I have to work even harder to get out of the gate whenever it's something new. If it scares me, I have to work even harder to to push myself out of the comfort zone because I know that's where the growth is. I know that's where the fruit is. But if I don't think I'm going to be good at it right away, and again, that goes back to the people-pleasing mentality of wanting to measure up and wanting people to think that you've got it together and that you know your stuff. We all want to be seen as good enough. And the fear of not being authentic comes from, I don't want to be seen as less than. Yeah. I don't yeah. want someone to judge me. I don't want somebody to see me yeah. as less than. But when we realize that the true fruit comes outside of the comfort zone, Marcus Black, who was my mm-hmm. coach and mm-hmm. who was in uh, my emerging leaders class. Yeah, great guy. He flips it and says that your comfort zone should be called the danger zone. Oh, that's good. That is well said right there. Because it true. truly is. And that's your level of, there's your comfort zone, there's your competency zone, and then there's this area of the abyss, you know, of yeah. like, I have no idea what's out there. The goodness lies in the unknown. Mm-hmm. But we have to be willing to say, I'm willing to show up afraid. I'm willing to show up not having all the answers. I'm willing to show up and potentially fail if it means that I get the fruit. And that is what, as leaders, we have to be focused on is, is good can never be good enough. We can never assume we have all the answers. We can never assume that we are safe and comfortable because the goodness lies in those areas that scare us. I tell you what, that is, if <clears throat> if you could if you could highlight words in the air, I, I would sure be highlighting those right now. And you know, so so knowing that people are listening right now, women particularly that are listening, give them the next right step. Give them, tell them the 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 Jansen Miller pathway. Which isn't just the Jansen Miller. It is. It's just the. It's the way God's designed us. I mean. So, what is the pathway for them? I think diving into personal growth from a standpoint of understanding your unique strengths. Right. Whether it's taking a personality test, um, asking friends and family. Mm. There are certain questions you can ask people. Um, one of which is, you know, what what do you see? What giftings do you see in me? Mm-hmm. And what do you come to me for? What what do I help you with naturally, kind of without having to Great try? questions. And because most of the times we can't see those things in ourselves, or maybe we do, but we doubt them, yep. right? Is, yep. this, is this real, or do other people really see yep. me this way? So doing the, pers- doing the personality assessments, and you're thinking about your unique gifts, thinking about your strengths, but then also asking other people, because they may know something that you don't. Yes. I went through this process um, again through. I, I went through. It was it was a business online course, but a big part of it at first was talking about strengths. Mm-hmm. And as an entrepreneur, 
you know, your business is only as strong as you are. And really you are your business when you're an entrepreneur. Right. So you're, you're not leveraging the, the strengths, you know, I'm air quoting of your business. That's you. You're leveraging you. So asking those questions from other people of what do you see in me and what do you come to me for? What value do I provide you? It just enhances that and really solidifies our confidence for, okay, I'm onto something. Because then when you start thinking about your goals and dreams, all of those things just Venn diagram together, right? And, and it becomes very evident of where you should be setting your sights on and your vision and the potential purpose God has for you. So how long, Jansen, that was, and, and now recognizing, I mean, life is a journey. The whole thing is a journey. It's, I mean, it's, 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 uh, and that's the profundity of it. It's, it's, it's the, it's the adventure of it all. But in this process of escaping um, the tug of the earth <laughs> and, and achieving lift, if you will, getting off the ground, how long did that take for you? I would say it's still a work in progress. Um, the most, the fastest trajectory was probably a year or two of mm -hmm. really spending that time in growing and learning and developing. Yeah. But really, and I, I, I'm not there yet. Like, and speaking of authenticity, like I still have days, you know, where I find myself not necessarily putting on a mask, but almost withholding out of fear of what other people will think. And that's where we just have to keep coming back to it. It's a sanctification journey. I like to say like sanctification is a scatter plot, meaning you have high and low points, but so long as you're pointing up and to the right and that you can clearly see a line of growth and improvement, that's sanctification because we're never going to get it right all the time. We're still going to have low moments. But if we would just realize that so long as we're growing and so long as we're showing up and being consistent and yeah. being uncomfortable, yeah. that the things that we end up shaming ourselves for, the lack of progress that we end up shaming ourselves yeah. for now would have been considered massive progress five years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to have seasons of like skyrocketed growth where you feel like, oh my gosh, before and after, like that was so wild how different I feel. But then there will be other seasons where you're like, man, I feel like I'm stagnant or that I'm missing the mark. But so long as we're moving up and to the right See, and that's so good, uh, Jansen, because, you know, one of the things that you, you, you use some phrases there that I think are, are really important, and that is, is that, you know, that when, when we do this thing with God, when we're, I mean, he's our biggest fan. Mm -hmm. He's the one that knows how he designed, built us in the first place. And for our willingness to step into the uncomfortable, step into the, into the, uh, the fog, the, the scary part, um, and uh, and actually start discerning. Well, so who then did you make me to be? Any he is always speaking to us, and it's always lovely. Mm -hmm. He does not do the shame um, and the guilt stuff on your pro. Because what are you doing? You're you're simply pursuing him. You're honoring him because you're trying. You're on an adventurous. Um, uh, treasure hunt, dis discerning what treasure have you put in me that you want discovered? And he loves when we do that. Mm -hmm. And so I just would just really caution the listener right now, 
when you start hearing stuff in your head, and you will, about how, oh, you're just not good enough, or you're not going to be able to, that's not God talking to you. That's the world, the flesh, or the devil. It is, it is one of those three, none of which, all of which, I should say, just essentially conspire, if you will, against your blooming into that, that beautiful flower, if you will, that God has created you to become. And as you start pursuing growth, we have to be really careful to never letting those goals become bigger than God. Yeah. Because ultimately, as a Christian, the success lies in our relationship with the Lord. Mm. That is success. And that's how the Lord deems success for True. us is right. how close we are in the relationship with him, we have with him. Jesus is never going to hold up a measuring stick to us and say, how good are you doing yesterday compared to <laughs> yeah. the day before? <laughs> that's exactly right. We do that to ourselves. Yep. And so we have to walk a very thin line of pursuing growth and pursuing improvement, self-improvement, but never letting those goals become bigger than God. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. It really is such a journey of intimacy. And that sounds, it's, it's so counterintuitive, it seems so often, but, but that's a love relationship. That is the nature of a real, um, you know, there is no fear in that. Fear is not coming from that, the love of God Absolutely in the not. midst of this. In fact, he's, he's just the opposite of all of that. Well, that's really that's really helpful, Jansen. I I think that that uh, this whole process, and so so now you find yourself uh, years later um, in this process. Uh, so, how's it working for you? You know, it's a lot of these things. I'm having to do them over again. Um, I've been in a season, as I talked about, some seasons are high trajectory growth. You're sprinting. Mm-hmm. And some seasons are a little bit more planting. Mm. Um, and I'm as I am pregnant with my first child, I have not been able to be as motivated mm-hmm. and as on as I'm used to being. And, and the Lord has had to teach me a lesson all in that again to say, that's okay. It is okay. And it's okay for a season to just plant. And that if you're not running hard after your potential 24-7, it's not a guilt thing. You're not a slacker. No. And so long as we're showing up with intentionality for our relationships and for the people around us and and still keeping the big picture in mind, we don't have to be sprinting and hustling all the time, that there are different seasons. And so I'm in a season right now more of, of slowness and mm. a lack of hustle and really getting back to the basics. And I know that it's only for a season because I, I know that the Lord has other big things planned for me. But right now, I'm just growing at a slower, more uh, underground pace. And so I'm becoming more comfortable with that. But I'm, again, it's this is for a season. I will be able to help women in the future who are going through this same thing and who say, am I doing enough? Yeah. You know, am I growing fast enough? Yeah. And I'll be able to speak into what the Lord is teaching me now. First, first we learn, then we lead. And so I'm learning a lot to then be able to lead better later. Well, and that's the great school. It, 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 it's just a, it's, it's paying forward. 
uh, what what he's invested in mm-hmm. us. And I can just tell you, uh, being you know way older than you are, it, it's just it never ceases to be an adventure, and you just keep opening up more gifts, and it's just a it's a fascinating journey. You you there's always another facet to his diamond which is so fun. I used to think when I was a kid, I thought, how could it possibly be fun to be a Christian? And now I'm going, oh my gosh, you know, this is like the ultimate uh, adventure. So Jansen, thank you so much for what you brought today. Uh, I, I just, I love uh, how, how you turn around and give as gift the the challenges that you have had and what you've learned and and the benefit that others uh, to so that they don't trip on those roots that come across the trail sometime so thank you for doing that and thank you that we have somehow managed by the grace of god to have uh, talked you into joining uh, our team uh, for uh, some season uh, and and we're just we're grateful for it. Thank but you Andy so Burnett, much. don't you come looking for Jansen because <laughs> that will not be tolerated. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, thanks, Jansen, and for the rest of you all, we'll we'll see you next time. So let me give you some concluding thoughts. If Hope were a person in the room, what would she say to us? Well, I think, first of all, she'd say that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that an unchanging God designed, built you, and sent you into a moment of history as part of his loving strategy to transform a chaotic world and and make it good again. You are called as change agents. Hope would tell you that she flourishes when we listen to God and set goals for our lives that press us further toward becoming that person God has always been willing for us to become. Hope would tell you to set action steps towards achieving those goals. They don't have to be giant steps. Start with baby steps so you can be encouraged along the way. But Hope would also tell you that you've got to not just make plans to step, but you must exercise the willpower to just take that next right step. Step by step by step gets you to the destination God has for your life. It's the long obedience in the same direction. And finally, Hope would tell you that God sees us not as we are, but as we could become if we will dare. It's the same for our communities. As followers of Jesus, you are a sent people, and all humans should flourish because God's kids are in town. What evil thing dies because you exist? No one else is coming. You're the generation sent to your community in this moment. You're it. Press into God's purposes for your lives, and you will discover that hope abounds and that Jesus is still the God of the impossible. Thank you for joining us today on Hope Leads. I'm Wes Lane. Once again, I'd be honored if you would take a moment to rate this podcast, review it, subscribe, and share it with someone who needs hope. We want to thank Brianna Gaither for the song, I Won't Rest Until, from her album, Vanity. Remember, 
you are fearfully and wonderfully made by a God who is willing for us to live meaningful lives of profound impact. I invite you to just show up and watch God show off. Thank you.